Amen. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. So can I have the mother stand so we can honor you today? Can we give them a round of applause? You know, I know, uh, I know motherhood is hard. I certainly gave my mom fits when I was growing up. Uh, and I'm, I'm honored that my, my mom is 89 and she's going to be able to be out here in a couple of weeks. I'm really excited for her to be able to come out now that she's been able to follow all the protocols with, with COVID and all that. She lives in Florida. But, um, you know, I know that uh, sometimes Mother's Day can be hard, too. And in, in remembrance of some things that are difficult, you know, God, he's the one who ultimately is our parent. And he's the one who can redeem. He's the one who can heal. And he's the one who can give us hope where sometimes there seems to be no hope. And that's, that's really what I want to talk about today. Uh, Pastor had already been on uh, a, a thought process and, and a message out of the Word of God in the book of Samuel. It's the story of Hannah, which was Samuel's mom. Samuel is one of the greatest prophets and judges in Israel. And his mom had a really hard time before his birth. So today we want to look at Hannah's hope. Because she had a hope that despite all her troubles, kept her going. And whether Mother's Day is a good day for you or it's a struggle, there's a hope that's available to us that we're going to see today that no matter what you're, you're going through, what season of life you're in, that we can hold on to a hope that can walk us through every situation in life. So would you stand with me as we read through the story of Hannah? If you have your Bibles with you, we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm reading out of the, uh, the ESV version, so it may be a little different than, than what you're reading Bear with me, this is a little bit long, but I want to get through the the story here because each element in the story is important for us to understand the hope that Hannah had. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. There was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim in the hill country of Ephraim, whose name is Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Toh, son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year from year from the city to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On one day, when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting at the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. 
She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put away your wine, put, a, put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered her, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife, and the Lord remembered her, and in due time she gave birth. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for Hannah. I thank you for this story of faithfulness, of hope. And today, Father, I pray for each and every single person here. Lord, that you would speak to the heart of every person in their circumstance, in a way that they know it is you, to restore their hope and their faith in you. And Father, we thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You can be seated. Give you a little context here. In the days that we're talking about here in Israel, uh, for a woman, being able to bear children was a badge of honor. And it was something actually that was expected. You see this over and over again throughout the scriptures where women who were barren were considered almost cursed by God. And they were considered worthless if they could not bear a child. You know, one of the famous stories of women who, who were not able to bear children were the wives of Jacob, Leah and Rebekah. And they had this rivalry going back and forth. How many kids could they give to Jacob. And of course, we end up seeing the 12 tribes of Israel coming from the 12 sons. But in Israel, it was very, very important for a woman to be able to bear children. So that's why we see here in this story of Hannah, when she could not bear a child, it was shameful for her. It was this commentary on her worth as a woman. You know, she had all these desires for children, but she couldn't have them. And it was beyond her ability to fix. You know, that's just something she couldn't do anything about. You know, a lot of times in our lives, we'll have these desires. They're God-given desires for something. And 
for whatever reason, they're just not coming about. And there's nothing we can do about it. And a lot of times, those things, when they don't come about, they kind of speak towards our worth. They speak to our identity. And like Hannah, a lot of us have been discouraged because those hopes have yet to come to pass. But, you know, in spite of her troubles, Hannah was still able to hold on to hope. Hannah was able to stand firm in a hope that was eventually fulfilled. And in our lives, we need a staying power, a resilience in hope. Because life is hard. There's just there's stuff that happens in life that's really, really difficult. And in that, we need this hope that can sustain us through those difficult times. So how can we have Hannah's hope? Well, there's three keys, three key factors to Hannah's hope that I want to talk about today. Specifically, Hannah didn't let the resistance in her life define her. She turned to God for her resilience in hope, and she also trusted God for her redemption. If we will allow those three factors to come into our lives, we too can have Hannah's hope. So I want to look at all three of those factors individually and how we can walk through a season of difficulty and not let go of hope. Because when we understand how these three factors played out in Hannah's life, we can see them play out in our life. So in Hannah's case, her hope was to have a child. I don't know what your hope is today. Only the Lord knows that. You and the Lord know that. And we all have hopes. We all have dreams. So whatever your hope is, I want you to think about that context as we talk about Hannah's hope. So let's look at this first factor. Hannah did not let her resistance define her. We all encounter resistance. And Hannah had a lot of resistance in her life. First of all, she had no children, right? And there was nothing she could do about that. And that in and of itself brought shame and a sense of worthlessness to her. It, it, it was almost a sense of identity because having children in Israel at that time was so important. You know, a lot of times in our lives, we, we tie our hopes to our worth. We tie outcomes to whether we are worthy, worthy. And when those don't come to pass or they seem delayed, a lot of times they bring shame on us. But not only was Hannah not able to have children. See, in those days, it was normal for husbands to have multiple wives. So you have Hannah, who couldn't have children, yet Peninnah, who was Elkanah's other wife, had children. So not only is Hannah not able to have children, the other wife is able to have children, which yet is more resistance against Hannah. You talk about pressure. Because in those days, a husband could just write their wife a certificate of divorce and send her away for any reason. And that would be a good reason, you know, if the husband wanted, wanted children, you can't have children, I'll go find somebody else. 
That's a lot of pressure. But not only did Peninnah have children, she lorded it over Hannah. She constantly provoked Hannah at the fact that she had children and Hannah did not. Even when Hannah would go up to worship to the Lord at Shiloh, Peninnah would still lord it over her. Now, it doesn't say this in the scriptures, but I can certainly imagine Peninnah saying to Hannah, you, you're not even worthy to be in the Lord's sight. You can't give children. How can you go up and worship the Lord? You, you're just not good enough. Why would you even think you could be in his presence? You know, that word provoked in Hebrew means to provoke somebody to anger or cause them to be grieved, demoralized, or vexed. I know there's been times in my life when there's things that have happened where I am just, I'm provoked to anger, but there's nothing I can do about it. And that anger just burns in me and it becomes a point of of desperation, of being demoralized. You know, there's nothing worse than being provoked and getting so angry, but you can't do anything about it. And it becomes a vexation. You're stuck. You know, Peninnah reminds me of the enemy because this is what the enemy does to us all the time. He provokes us. He pokes us. And he gets us to a place where we're just vexed. There's nothing we can do. Because the things that the enemy sometimes say, say, says about us may be true. In the case of Hannah, Peninnah said, you can't have children. That was true. But what was not true was that that was a commentary on her worth. You know, a lot of times we allow the enemy to speak some things that are true about us, but we take it as commentary on who we are. How many times have you come into worship, into a church service, and you just want to crawl under the chair because you just don't feel worthy? And the enemy pokes at you. Why do you even think that God would accept you? Because you are worthless. Look at this thing that is true in your life. How can you even approach the Lord? Because you're just not worthy. You know, just before Hannah prays to the Lord, we read that she was very deeply distressed. That word in Hebrew for distressed is the word mara. If you remember in, in the, the book of Ruth, Naomi, Naomi, Naomi's husband and sons were killed, and she goes back to Israel. Of course, she brings Ruth with her. The, the main character in that story is Ruth. But Naomi comes back to Israel, and her, her friends and family come back, and they greet her as Naomi. And Naomi says, do not call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Call me Mara. It's the same word there that Hannah is described as in this particular verse. We read that she was deeply distressed. Mara, it means 
bitterness. Have you ever met somebody who is so bitter that when people describe them, they describe the bitterness as their identity? Don't go near that person because, boy, are they bitter. They, they, don't, they don't just have bitterness. They become bitter. It defines them. That's what this word means. Just like Naomi, she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter because I'm bitter. Just before Hannah prays to the Lord, it says she was deeply bitter, deeply distressed. She was to the point where bitterness could have come to the place of becoming her identity. That's how deep this distress was. That's how deep this pain was in her life. And what's worse is that we're told it was the Lord who closed her womb. Have you ever felt in your life that sometimes even the Lord himself is against you? And you're like, what in the world, Lord? You're, you are all powerful. You can do anything at any time. Hello? How about now? You know, you're like the kid in the back of the car. Are we, are we there yet? Are we there yet? How about now? Now? How about now? We're like, Lord, why in the world won't you move? Why won't you fix this? And Naomi was, it was clear to Naomi that it was the Lord that closed her womb because that was, that was the, the culture in Israel to know that if a woman couldn't have children, it was because the Lord had closed her womb. So not only is she shameful because she can't have children, not only is she shameful because her rival is provoking her all the time, her own God has not come through for her. And here she is. You know, it can make, make us feel like Mara, bitter, worthless, unloved. And it's easy to allow that resistance to define us and become our identity. And that's the real danger. The real danger is not the hope coming, not coming to pass. The real danger is allowing the resistance to be the commentary on who we are. And like Hannah, we need to resist that resistance from defining who we are. Because here's the truth. The only person who gets to define who we are is God. The only person who gets to define who we are is Jesus Christ. There is no circumstance, there is no pain, there is no hopelessness that is a true commentary on us. All those things are temporary. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We have the ability through the power of Jesus Christ to resist the resistance in our life so that the resistance doesn't become Mara or bitterness and throw us off. So Hannah resisted the resistance. I don't know what kind of resistance you're facing in your life today. 
but I want to encourage you today to make a decision to resist the resistance. Do not let the enemy tell you that God does not love you because that is a lie. Do not let the enemy tell you that you are worthless because that is a lie. The story is not over. The story is not over and neither is your story. If you are still alive today, your story is not over. The final word has not been spoken. God has still a word to speak over your life. Do not give up. And that's what Hannah didn't do. She didn't give up. Because what we see next is not only did Hannah not allow the resistance to define her, she turned to the Lord for resilience. In Isaiah 55, we read this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. One of my favorite authors, Henry Blackaby, if you've never read Experiencing God or been through that study, I cannot recommend it enough. I'm going through it again for like the seventh time. I absolutely love this study. But here's something he says about circumstances. To understand your bad or difficult circumstances, God's perspective is vital. We cannot discern what God is doing from the middle of our circumstance. It's like a fish in a fishbowl. You know, water has this, this unique property called refraction. When you look through water, things get distorted. So when a fish is in a fishbowl and looks out through the water and sees the world outside that fishbowl, it's a distorted view of the world that from the fish's perspective looks real. The fish doesn't know any better because all the fish knows is what the fish sees. But what the fish needs is somebody who's outside that water to give them the right perspective. Well, all of us are in a fishbowl, if you will, that's full of water called sin. And sin distorts everything we see. We need somebody outside of the fishbowl to give us a right perspective on what's really happening, and that's God. God is on the outside. He sees sees things as they are. We cannot. So do not let yourself define yourself, define your circumstances, or even define God from the middle of your circumstances. Because there's times when God will allow difficult circumstances to occur, not to destroy you, but to prepare you for his plans and purposes. Again, Blackaby says this. He says this of of Jesus. Um, You remember the story of Lazarus when Jesus waited to go to the tomb until after Lazarus had died. And Mary and Martha come to him and they're like, Lord, if you had been here, you would have been able to heal him, which is absolutely true. And and Blackaby says this. uh, Now, we don't read this in Scripture, but he says it's as if Jesus were saying, I knew you were ready for a greater revelation of me than you had known before. Because had Lazarus been alive, I would have healed him, and you would have known me as healer, but you already knew that. But because I showed up later, 
Now you know me as the resurrection. And there's times in our lives when God will wait. He will wait until we're in a position where we can get a greater revelation of him that we never had before. But that requires a lot deeper pain, a lot deeper struggle. Mary and Martha were going through pain and struggle. Hannah here is going through pain and struggle, but it's not without a purpose. And this is the foundation of Hannah's resilient hope. We see Hannah turn to the Lord. She commits herself and her hope to the Lord. She comes to the Lord and says, Lord, remember me. Look at me in my affliction. And if you will grant me a son, I will commit him to you. So here we see Hannah not just committing herself to the Lord, she's committing her hope to the Lord. And this is what we need to do ourselves. We need to be willing to be in a position where we don't just commit ourselves to the Lord, but whatever our hope is, Lord, I, I have this desire for this, but I'm willing to give it to you, not just so I can get it, but so you can get the glory through it. And you can get the honor through it. Now, how do we know that Hannah was truly resilient? Well, we know that by the way she answered Eli, the priest. There she is praying. And Eli sees her and assumes she's drunk and says, Will you just stop being drunk? Get away from your wine and your strong drink. And Hannah says, No, 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 no. Please, I'm not drunk. I'm just bitter. I'm sorrowful. But she says something else to him that is key. She says, do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. Everything that was resisting her wanted her to believe she was worthless. Pandina wanted, to believe, wanted her to believe that. Her circumstances wanted her to believe that. Her bitterness, her, her anger, her despair, her vexation, all said to her, you are worthless. Yet when she's confronted by Eli, what does she say? I am not worthless. She's there with the Lord. And when we are there with the Lord, we have every single right, not because of our circumstances, but because of the presence of the Lord to say, I am not worthless. We have got to get to the point where our sense of worthiness is drawn from our relationship with the Lord, not our circumstances, not the commentary of other. And that's where resilience comes from. That's how we can stand in hope despite the chaos going around us because our resilience, our worthiness is from the Lord and our relationship with him, not anything else. The Hebrew word there also means wicked. And it's, it's an aspect of how she viewed herself. Because when you, when you allow that unworthiness to come in, and that becomes a commentary on your identity, oftentimes you begin to think that not only am I not good enough, I'm just really a bad person. I'm wicked. I'm evil. 
And it's this downward spiral that sucks you down. But that relationship with the Lord, we call him the anchor of our soul. In the midst of a storm, we have to have that anchor. That's why one of the things we talk about here all the time, Pastor mentions this all the time, is you have got to have that consistent time of relationship with the Lord, of being in the Word, of being in prayer. That is your anchor in the storm because a storm is going to come. And when that storm comes, you need that anchor. Because, you know, when you see uh, on shows or movies or documentaries, when a ship is caught in a storm, the ship itself is helpless against the wind and the waves. But if there is an anchor that's holding that ship, it will stay right where it is. It will not drift. It will not get caught off and sent somewhere else. It will stay right where it is. And one of the things Paul tells us when he encourages us, encourages us to stand in the midst of the enemy, is he says, do all you can to stand. Stand firm in your faith. And the only way we can do that is if we are anchored in place. It's not us. It's not what we're doing. That ship in the sea can do nothing. It's helpless against the wind and the waves. Its only hope is that anchor. And it's the same with us. If we want to be resilient in our storms, we have to be grounded in that anchor. And that anchor is Jesus Christ. And because she was grounded, she was able to have this resilience to not allow those storms to define her. So be like Hannah. Turn to the Lord for your resilience. And then finally, Hannah trusted God for her redemption. See, it's important to hold on to this last point because the God who defines you is also the one who will redeem you. After Hannah's prayer and encounter with Eli, we read that the Lord remembered Hannah. And she conceived and bore a son. Not only did she bore a son, she gave birth to Samuel, who was one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel. And I guarantee you, after Samuel grew up and Hannah saw her son as one of the greatest judges in Israel as well, the one who would anoint the very first king appointed by God in David to set up the lineage for Christ, I guarantee you, when Hannah looked at that, she completely forgot about her vexation. She completely forgot about her pain. She completely forgot about Peninnah and all that other stuff. And don't you know, when she went home to Peninnah, she had no problem standing in front of Peninnah and saying, yeah, you know that Samuel guy? That's my son. That's my son. And you know when the Lord comes through for us? Even the enemy cannot refute it. When the Lord redeems us, there's nothing the enemy can do to refute that. That confidence and boldness that we can have in that redemption. No one 
and no thing, no circumstance, no person, no enemy on he- in heaven or in earth can refute that. And we can stand in boldness before the enemy. You know, in Psalms 23, we, we read that the Lord is our shepherd. And he will walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. And I love the way Pastor puts this. I said, you know, if there's a shadow, there's got to be a light somewhere. Right? You can't have a shadow without light. And where's that light coming from? It's coming from the Lord. Sometimes we walk through a shadow, but don't get focused on the shadow. Stay focused on the light that's causing the shadow. Not only did Hannah bear Samuel, she also had other sons and daughters. She was fully redeemed. She couldn't, say, she couldn't change her circumstances, but she made sure her circumstances didn't change her. And just as God brought redemption into Hannah's life, he can and will bring redemption into our lives. Are you willing to have Hannah's hope today? Are you willing to be positioned in your life in such a way that despite what you're going through now or ever will go through, that you can have a hope that is anchored and cannot be moved? So would you stand with me today? So how can we, can ha- how can we have Hannah's hope? Number one, don't let resistance define you. Turn to God for your resilience and then trust God for your redemption. I want to give you an opportunity to commit yourself and your hope to the Lord today. I don't know what you've been through, what you are going through, or what you ever will go through, but the Lord knows. He sees you. He sees right where you are. And if you're struggling, it's okay. It's okay if you're struggling. It's okay if you feel that pain, that bitterness, that vexation. It's okay to feel that. Just don't let it become your identity. Don't let it become commentary on you. Let Jesus define you. So if today you find yourself in a position like Hannah where you need to commit yourself to the Lord by not allowing your resistance to divine you, by calling out on the Lord for resilience and trusting in the Lord for redemption. I want you to come down here real quick. I just want you to come down to the altar and make that that commitment this morning. If you need to make that commitment and commit yourself to the Lord, this is between you and the Lord. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what you're going through.
And even if you're there at your seat, here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray. And like Hannah, we are going to declare that we are not worthless. And we are going to call out on the Lord for redemption. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, first of all, we thank you just for who you are. Lord, I thank you that we have a God in heaven who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and who is sovereign over all things. So, Father, I pray for each and every person here today. Lord, wherever they are, whatever they're going through, you know exactly what that is. So, Father, will you hear our prayer today? Will you hear from heaven, Father? And will you answer our prayer to be our anchor? So if today you need that Hannah's hope, I want you to pray this with me. Just repeat it after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, today I commit to you myself and my hope. Father, I need your help. You see the resistance that is in my life. Help me to stand firm. Let not this resistance define who I am. I ask you to be the anchor of resilience in my life. And Father, I pray that you would bring redemption into this circumstance. You would bring redemption into my life. And I trust you, Father, in your timing, in your way, for your glory. And I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning. Well, I hope you are encouraged today by Hannah's hope. There's many other examples like that in the Bible, but this is such a good one. You know, we hear from a mother who struggled. And whatever struggle you're going through, there is hope. 